What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast and resource dedicated to telling these stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, it's now October. It's still damn hot out somehow. Um, wish that would change. I think there was a, a weekend or two ago where it was actually really nice outside. Um, cuddled up, got beer, watched college football. Uh, that, that's my ideal Saturday, by the way. Um, and along that note, I want to thank, uh, Liz and Kenny down at Kentucky Wesleyan College who let me come up and call, uh, or broadcast my first college football game. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it seems like everybody enjoyed it from then. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot and thank you both very, very much. You'll, guys will hear from Liz, um, in a couple of weeks, I think. I think she's more or less November episode range. But uh, Kenny was on around this time last year, so it's been about a year since we have Kenny on. So if you want to go back that far, listen to him. Uh, you might be given a reason to here in just a minute, but uh, you can go ahead and go do that. Before I state why, as always, I'd like to say this. Uh, follow us on social media at Sports Infocast on Twitter and Facebook. Rating and reviewing, um, very important, goes a long way in helping grow our community and grow uh, our exposure to SIDs. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes, guys, um, I'll ask a guest, have you heard of this? And uh, most people say no. And I don't really understand how that works because I think our average, uh, I think I have it up right here, maybe. I don't know. Uh, over the last couple episodes or so, we've been around 400 um, listens. So, but still, some people come on and they say, "Nope, have no idea, never heard about it," um, which is crazy to me. But again, not in charge of their life. But I think we're doing some pretty cool stuff here. So, if you would go ahead and go over to iTunes or wherever you get this your podcast, leave a rating and a review. That goes a long way. Like I said, long, long way in helping this community grow. Um, helping the show get more exposure in general and that stuff. So um, I've mentioned this last week, and a couple of you have already signed up. Uh, the newsletter stuff, our Hall of Fame voting, will be starting very, very soon. Uh, I will extend from – I said that the, the newsletter signups would be cutting off this week, today. Thursday being, uh, I'm actually going to cut that off on Sunday and then I will send out the ballots on Monday. Uh, that way those newsletter subscribers will be able to get on and vote for their favorite episodes that they've had over the past year. Um, there are three categories. They'll vote for their favorite in each and we will give it a, a couple of awards out. Those, uh, winners will get a special kind of cover art type of thing. Uh, that way they can, you know, get the recognition that they deserve. You know, they, they come on, and what I don't want to do, it, we've had some great episodes. As we're nearing episode number 100 here, 95 today with Mary Lee. Um, I don't want those episodes to be gone. I don't want them to be forgotten about. And we've already got a couple, actually one person, who I think you guys are really going to enjoy for episode number 100 um, from way back in the day when I first started this podcast. Uh, I don't want... And the first podcast that we did with him was amazing. It was probably the best podcast I had at that time in the first, you know, however long I was doing it, the first couple months. Um, and when people always ask me, you know, which one's your favorite, which ones do you go back to? And I'm like, every single one is. And I don't want that, 
those great ones that you guys get a lot out of, that you guys uh, engage a little bit more in. I don't want those to go away. I don't want those to be forgotten about. And this is a great way of doing that. They'll be put on a special playlist. They'll get the cover art. That way new people know, hey, this episode, this one right here has a lot of value to it. And I should keep it on the back burner. Uh, maybe connect with this person. You, you, you never know. But that's why we're doing this. Um, maybe I didn't make myself clear last week. But that's the main reason why this is happening, and it will happen from every year on since we're doing SIDcast. So uh, that's the way that that'll go. Now on to today's episode number 95, of Ice, as I said. Uh, we actually do have people scheduled up through episode number 100, and then next week, um, when I'm at fall break, actually, I'll talk about my fall break plans here in a minute. We will, uh, I'll, I'll schedule Sunday in like episodes 101 and 102 for November. Um, oh, uh, another thing, newsletter subscribers, um, not going to call it a newsletter here in a couple of weeks, probably in around November, November, the first week of November, I think it was either with Blake Watson or Katie Mucci, uh, that we had a newsletter and then we're going to switch it up. I'm going to call it your credential, your SID cast credential. We're going to change up the, the layout a little bit and everything. Um, so sign up for your new SID cast credentials. Uh, you'll get the episodes first, you'll get all sorts of things first, you'll get to vote in the Hall of Fame voting, uh, and all sorts of things like that, but anyway, uh, I met Mary Lee, I think, God, I think, we, we both figured this out together, but I still can't remember, I think, I think, I think, don't quote me on this, the spring of 2017, I think, is when we met her, uh, she was at Illinois State as a grad assistant, she'll talk about how she got there, um, and she traveled with her softball team to Evansville when I was interning with University of Evansville. Got to meet her. We're not related, by the way. Not related in any way, shape, or form. She is from the Chicago area. Uh, went to college down in Tampa at the University of Tampa. Um, went to Virginia Tech for a little while and then found herself at Illinois State. Now you see her now at uh, North Carolina. And um, she's got a running streak, a very, very impressive running streak. We'll talk a, a lot today about keeping up your fitness. Um, that's, that's a, a thing I could never not talk about in, in this industry is finding your peace of mind and finding your fitness and finding your why and finding your, getting your balance back that you had. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about her career path. Uh, we'll talk about speaking with coaches. Um, maybe a coach has had an SID do one thing a certain way for a long time, and then now you've got to introduce these new ideas, maybe some things that you want to do that are more efficient uh, and the like. Uh, we'll talk about what to do today here on episode number 95. But first, this was recorded way back when Hurricane Florence came through, and that's where we will start off today on episode number 95 of SID Cast and Mary Lee Gibson of the North Carolina Tar Heels and what Hurricane Florence was like for her and Chapel Hill right here on SID Cast. going on here in Durham, which I'm very thankful for being my first like legit hurricane. Um, today was the worst of it with a lot of flash flooding, but I should be good, hopefully. Yeah, and I hope this doesn't, um, I know we talked about this off air, but the listeners may not know, you've got 625 straight days of running, and you were looking mm-hmm. for a restaurant uh, just before we pressed record, and you found out that both of your roads out of your apartment are closed. Are you going to be able to keep that streak up? 
Uh, yeah. If anything, I'll just run laps around my apartment parking lot <laughs> or go into inside on the treadmill. But I'm not. If I made it through the past few days of st- constant rain, I should be fine today. Okay. All right, well, we're glad that uh, you're definitely safe. We did have another um, guest that was supposed to come on. We had to reschedule with uh, Rickson. He was last week. Um, so we're hope, hoping that he's all right. Haven't talked to him yet, but we're hoping that he's okay. Glad that you're safe. But um, let's talk a little bit first about how you got into sports information. You said you're from Chicago, and you and I met uh, not last spring, but the spring before, and you said that you went to Tampa. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, I went to the University of Tampa down in Florida, so I think it was about 2,000 miles from home. Just wanted to try something different. Um, they had a few different majors I was looking at, so I figured if I didn't like one, I could switch departments, not transfer, because that was my biggest fear. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to be that transfer student, which there's nothing wrong with. But as a 17-year-old, I'm freaking out. Uh-huh. Um, and then our SID came into one of my intro classes and he's like, yeah, this is sports information. This is what it is. So I came out and volunteered and did soccer, got roped into a volleyball tournament. It was a two court, eight match, eight matches each day tournament. And I just stuck with it. There you go. So were you looking at anywhere else besides Tampa? I know you said you wanted to reach out a little bit. I was between, where was it, Tampa? I applied to five schools, I know that. Um, and then I think I was just between Tampa and Western Illinois. So it was either stay, go far or stay, I think it was maybe a three-hour drive from uh-huh. home. So, yeah, okay. Awesome. Well, uh, this volleyball tournament that you said, what were some responsibilities that it gave you? Were you kind of overwhelmed in the beginning? Um, A little bit. I So we had matches starting super early in the day and people weren't available to stat so I jumped in and started inputting and inputted very poorly to be <laughs> <laughs> um especially considering that was probably maybe the fifth volleyball match I'd seen in my life but it was really fun and by the end of the first day I think I got a pretty good hang of it and then the second day was a breeze so I was good at soccer and I knew Mark Jordan was, like, the person who's teaching me. He's at Texas now. But soccer, you always have to stop the clock, and that was my biggest pitfall. So he kept telling me to stop the clock in volleyball so that I would, like, calm down and, like, take a breather, even though there's no clock to stop. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, okay. So it's kind of like a little mini timeout for you. Yeah. Um, that's nice of him. Were there any other things that he kind of noticed that you might be a little overwhelmed with, maybe some things that you try with your students now to kind of keep them in the moment? Um. I would say tell them to stop the clock because that, like, still gives me some anxiety sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I like to remind them, like, nobody's going to die over this. If something goes wrong, like, we'll take a, br- a minute and fix it. So just okay. let me know when something goes wrong so we're not, like, five points into a problem and it's all screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> so with the Spartans a little bit, uh, what were some of the evolution of your duties as you went on through your four years with Tampa? So when I started, I did a lot of just, like, game day statistics stuff um, with softball, softball, a little bit of baseball, and then volleyball, soccer, and basketball. And then slowly, um, my boss, who's still there at the time, who's still there now, Tom Colby, he let me start writing previews and recaps. Um, I got, I was able to teach other students with me, so that was cool. Um 
and then I kind of once once I got to be a senior I was able to have more uh-huh. direction of telling people and showing people what to do so what were some of the biggest challenges in learning all that stuff had you ever written anything before no and honestly if you told my high school English teacher that I write so this much as part of my career she would laugh in your face because I was a terrible writer in high school um but I think it's just a different type of writing so that's what was uh, that's what helped me a lot because you were very like matter of fact straight to the point mm-hmm. you didn't need to hit this like thousand word word count and be super fluffy and all that so getting to the point I think helped me a lot okay. she would she would think I'm crazy though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think a lot of people are like that way. Um, I know a lot of people on this show uh, who have been on the show, uh, they didn't really mean to be an SID. So like they always say something along those lines to where their, their teachers or their parents are just surprised. But um, speaking of which, what, what do you tell your parents about what you do? I always tell them the Twitter handles, and then my mom, when I moved school, she'll, like, unfollow the last one and refollow the next one, and then after match is over, she'll, like, go favorite all the tweets. So she understands that part of what I do, Um, but I think when I first started, especially when, after college, I didn't go to get a full-time job, they were a little concerned, but I was told them, like, this is just how it is. Like, I have to go be a post-grad intern, a post-grad GA, or post-grad intern or GA to make it to be at a big school like mm-hmm. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I think they were a little, like, hesitant. But once I started getting interviews um, this past year for bigger schools and then um, now being at North Carolina, they get it. And they're super excited and proud about it, too. Yeah, it's kind of a patience process. That's what I try to explain yeah. to my friends I try to explain to my family a little bit um and, and everybody's like well why don't you apply for jobs now and I'm like because there's nothing open bud like yeah. <laughs> well, if you start now you're gonna like your bigger schools have already opened and closed their window exactly so smaller school but if you want to go for a big school you have to wait a little bit right yeah it, again it's just all that patience we talked with Sean Stevenson from Georgia a little bit about breaking into that sport industry, and that's definitely the way it goes. But like you said, after you graduated from Tampa, um, parents were a little worried about you because they wanted you to get a full-time job and everything. But if I remember from our conversation going on two years ago, you went to Virginia Tech, correct? Yep. Um, I went from like a decently sized city in Tampa to a small, small, small college town in Blacksburg. And I knew not, I didn't know a single soul in Blacksburg. Mm -hmm. Uh, My closest family was like four hours away. So that was, I think, a bigger concern for my parents that I just was kind of, for them, I was going nowhere. But to me, I'm like, it's Virginia Tech. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's Power Five. This is what I want. Um, So I went there and I was fortunate that a full-time person left early on during my internship so that I was able to have more responsibility as a primary softball contact. So Mm -hmm. I had volleyball, softball, and then indoor and outdoor track and field. And that was huge because, I mean, there's so much more SID responsibility with softball, or there was at the time to where you traveled, where the other interns that I worked with didn't travel as much. So that was really helpful for me. Yeah. So let's go back to a little bit of the beginning, maybe the interview process. What was the job process like uh, going out of college right before you got to Blacksburg? I did a lot of Skype interviews because I wasn't, uh, they weren't full-time 
I didn't get like flown in anywhere, anything like that. So it was a lot of like phone call and Skype. Um, and it was all about just knowing, like you, your resume shows, you know how to do the job, but your interview shows, can you work with these people Mm. and are you a good person to click with? Um, so that was a lot of like, you don't need to recite your resume. They have it sitting right in front of you when you're doing the interview. So just talk to them about the stories, um, the stories you have from the industry or the different little things that you picked up that aren't written out on your resume. Mm, Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, how long were you at Blacksburg for? I was there for a year, so I worked the worked there this fifteen sixteen school year. Okay, and then from there, that's where we kind of met when you were at Illinois State. Um, decided to take you, so that was your GA ship was at Illinois State, right? Mm-hmm. So what was it like for you to kind of take a year off of schooling and then just bounce right back into it? It was a little bit of adjustment, just because at Virginia Tech, when I was done with work, that's that was my responsibility. Yeah. Uh, where at Illinois State, when you were done with work, it's like, okay, now you go to class from 5 to 10, and then you do homework from 10 to 12. Um, so that was different. But as far as, like, the classwork goes, it was really helpful because I had experiences that I could apply to my classes where a lot of other students maybe came straight from undergrad, and they couldn't – they were just going off of, oh, well, in this class we learned this. And I was like, well, when I worked at Virginia Tech, this isn't how it worked. Uh-huh. Like, and <laughs> can talk about this but that's not what actually happens um so that was really helpful it was a little bit hard to like train myself to write academically again Uh versus like the pr way of doing things but once i got the hang of it it was it was fine yeah there's just some things that uh books can't teach you when it comes to working in a field you know and i think that's what a lot of things that People don't really understand. There's a guy in my, I actually have a rock climbing class just to finish out the credit. Uh, he, he said, I'm going to grad school next semester because I don't want to leave college yet. And I'm like, I just, I just think that maybe you, uh, <laughs> maybe you don't have a whole lot going for you, do you, bud? <laughs> you know, um, but what was the, like, again, sort of same phrasing of questions. You did softball at Illinois State. What else did you do? Maybe some uh, expansive responsibilities, maybe some things that you learned along the way with the card or the Redbirds. Keep going to call them the Cardinals for some reason. I mean, they're both Redbirds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I first started, I actually was secondary volleyball and softball. So that meant I did all the play by the radio broadcasts for our volleyball team, which I am atrocious at and I tried really hard uh-huh. the whole first year but I was not great and I'm the first one to admit that I wasn't great at it but I got the point across like people understood what was going on I just got really repetitive it wasn't my thing um and then that winter time I approached our full-time men's basketball contact and I was like please let me help you like you have so many things going on. Like, let me just do social media for you. Mm-hmm. Just game day social media. And then it went from game day to like kind of everyday social media for him. So that was huge and super helpful for me just to work with a bigger sport. Cause volleyball and softball at Illinois state are much smaller. And, um, it was helpful to get that recognition because that in 2015 or no, 16, 17, that was the year that people think Illinois State should have been in the tournament and so there was a lot of hype about it so that was a cool experience for me um and then 
softball, it was, I went from the person who worked before me was very good at radio broadcasting and he didn't have as many of like the traditional SIDs skills. He was great at his job, but with the job transitioning from radio to more social media, I was able to like kind of revamp it and go that way with it. So it was kind of cool too. What was it like for you kind of to be in a way closer to your home? It was great. I was able to go home a lot more and see my dog because she's great. Um, So that was nice. And my mom went to Illinois State for her undergrad. So she was like super proud that, you know, I was working in athletics for her alma mater and I was going to her alma mater. Yeah, so they loved it. Um, (laughs) I liked being closer to home. And then, again, you you had to kind of turn right around and go – you know, pursue bigger and better opportunities at North Carolina. Um, what was it like for you to say bye? It was kind of difficult, but at the same time, I knew, I knew, I ended my my assistantship early, so I, it was kind of difficult to end it early, just because I knew like I was leaving the softball team right before their season was starting. I was, I didn't, I wasn't able to finish up the winter sports, so that was hard. But at the same time, like it was a full time job. Like I had done all this work, undergrad, postgrad, to get to a full-time job. So even though it was difficult, like definitely paid off to be here. Yeah. So you you were added to North Carolina mid-season. Yeah, I started at UNC the Monday before softball season started. So I was at orientation all day Monday in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then we left Friday for our first trip. Wow. So, so what was it like to get acclimated that quickly? It was a whirlwind. I had most everything unpacked. I tried to unpack as quickly as I could because I knew I needed to be able to find things to pack for the weekend. (laughs) Um, But it was good. I learned everybody's name on the softball team by the end of that weekend, and that was my one goal. I'm like, if you do nothing else and screw everything else up, just learn everyone's name, and you'll be off to a great start. (laughs) I didn't screw everything up. But I also learned everyone's names, too. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, I've asked you the same phrasing of question before. Uh, interview process, uh, what was it like to get the job in North Carolina for you personally? So I actually applied the day of my last final at in the, in the fall at Illinois State. And then I got a call, or no, flip that. So I, got, I applied, like, in November, and I got a call the last – the day I turned in my last final in the spring or in the fall I think I'm messing that up but (laughs) I got a call at the end of the semester last December um and then I interviewed I did a phone interview in December and then I flew down here um in early January right after the holidays because it it was kind of weird time you have like Christmas and New Year's and it's Uh just difficult or anything um interviewed Offered, accepted, moved in like two weeks. So it was okay. a whirlwind. Yeah, that's quite the turnaround. Um, you've lived, you went from Chicago to Tampa to Blacksburg to Bloomington to Chapel Hill. What's it been like moving around for you just in so many different places? Um, it's been a little bit difficult, but at the same time, like I've been able to not acquire clutter, which has been nice because sometimes I'm that person that oh, this shirt or this thing that I think I need, but you really don't need. And so every time you move, you can, like, get rid of all the junk that you somehow have in your apartment. 
Um, so that's been nice. And then I knew when I moved to Florida, my family had always vacationed there. So I knew I wanted to live further south. And then being in Virginia, that was like the perfect climate, like the southeast where you still are warm, but you're not like oppressively warm all year. Yeah. Um, so knowing that this was my end goal, I kind of was able to work towards that the whole time. Okay, cool. So, and, and again, same thing. You kind of, we talked about this a little bit. And I don't want to talk about this again for, for, for people. We talked about it off air, but I did volleyball stats for the first time the other weekend. Not that hard. No. And, and, and am I right in that? Yes. It's very, I mean, I love it. That's probably what got me hooked on the profession way back when I was at Tampa. Um, there's like a rhythm to it. You know what you're going to get. It's always a dig and assist, a block, or a dig, assist, attack. Like, yeah. Like, you just know what it is. So that, I like it. Yeah. It's very. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Like like we just talked about a little bit here is that you've moved around a lot, and the other side to that is you've been in a lot of departments. You've worked with a lot of coaches. Maybe sometimes a coach might have been there a long tenure at, at an institution, and, and they say, "This is how we've always done it." Uh, how have you combated that, and how have you kind of had those conversations with those coaches? That I think has been the theme of my career so far, just because. I have moved a decent amount of times and I'm always the new person of like, well, this is what we've always done. So like just do the same thing. But because I've moved around, I've been able to see how other schools do things. And maybe the way that North Carolina has always done something or Illinois state has always done something isn't the best way because well, at Virginia tech or Tampa, we had this system in place that made it faster, better, easier to understand. Um, one of the first times that it really frustrated me was when I was working at Illinois State. Our coach was adamant about having a photo gallery for some like community service event that the team did with like a very limited number of pictures and they were terrible quality with like some iPhone or whatever. So I did the photo gallery and I showed him like, yeah, this is what you want. And I did it. Here you go. But here's this other thing. So I made it a Adobe Spark page and like kind of narrated through the pictures. And she's like, oh, that's so much easier. And if I pull it up on my computer, it looks a little different than on my phone, but they both show the pictures the best way. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to show you. Yeah. Uh, so it caught, it created a little bit of like twice as much work for a while, but then we were on the same page of like, I'm trying to help you help the program. Like, I'm not trying to get out of work here. Um, so that was helpful, but it takes a little bit of time, especially I think I've both at Illinois State and then Virginia. Er, so Virginia Tech softball coach was the only coach at the time. So he had started the program like 20 years prior, and then Illinois State, she'd been there for 30-plus years. Same thing at UNC. So I've had like three tenure, pretty yeah. tenure coaches. Yeah. So I kind of – understand where they're coming from um so that's helpful but you just have to kind of slow it down explain we're both working towards the same goal we're just taking two different routes to get there yeah 
Uh, you mentioned slowing it down, uh, maybe showing them a little bit, but say that there's an SID, it's going through the exact same thing. Uh, I guess I, I don't want to use the term stubborn, uh, but maybe there is a coach in that situation giving them grief or something like that. Uh, how do you open up that dialogue? I, I know that you said that you gave the coach what they wanted, but then you showed them a different alternative. Um, what's an easy way to kind of, or not really easy, but what's a way to kind of ease into that discussion? I, that's a tough one. I think honestly, because I mean, they're the coach, it's their program. Um, I personally, I gave them what she wanted. She wanted to see the photo gallery. So I did that. Um, and I mean, photo galleries, no work, like super simple. So I did that. And then I just like said, can we talk about this really quick? So this is what you wanted. And then I just, I tweaked it a little bit and I have this also too. And she really liked it. So it came when the next community service event rolled around. It's like, do you mind if we just go with this spark page this time and I'll post it wherever you want it to be posted and we can go from there. And I think that worked with her because I was having a conversation with her, not telling this is what we're going to do. So it was, I think the conversation and the way you approach knowing your coach helps a lot too. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it's different from, from coach to coach. And, and I'm sure that some people are like, yeah, they like to be involved in that process, but then other people are like, you, you do what you want. You know, I've yeah. met coaches like that too. Um, that, that just not really didn't care, but, uh, well, their, their focus was the core of right, the field. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah in, a, in a way, kind of loosely. Uh, I want to switch gears here a little bit to something that I can't talk enough about for, for this podcast and this SID world. Um, staying active. And we just mentioned in the beginning of the show, 625 state drays, straight days, not state drays, straight yeah. days of running. Um, so how do you yeah. balance all that? Like you said, you, you ran the Chicago Marathon. You're training for a marathon now. Um and everybody knows SIDs, that's a long hour days. How do you balance it? Um, it takes a lot of commitment to do it. But I just, I was, when I first moved to Illinois State, I was so focused on getting good grades in my classes and um, like being an SID there that I kind of let my passion of running and being active kind of fall to the wayside. So I had a friend who started his run streak a year before I did. He's like, it's been great. I've set so many PRs. Like I've been pretty much injury free. And I'm like, well, that's what I want to do. So I started mine last December. So December 31st, 2016. So I was on my streak when we met a year and a half ago. Um, My intention was just like, see how long it can go. And then at a year decide if I want to keep it or not. Um, but now I'm like, well, why does, like, why stop? Um, so that's been, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It does take a lot of commitment just because there's been a few days where I've had to run at very strange hours. Um, I've done three runs literally at 12.01 a.m. because I was on the road uh-huh. at like 5 a.m. the next day and gone all day. I've done runs um, at, like, finished recaps or something, run at 3 in the morning, go back to bed, get on the road. <laughs> so those have been not ideal, and my roommates on the road definitely sometimes think I'm crazy. I'm sure they think I'm crazy, but for me it's, like, time to think and prepare for the next day. I have, like, a running to-do list in my head when I'm 
doing my rounds in. I like it. Uh, I yeah. know it's for every. I highly doubt it's for everybody. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's just important to like make sure to take time for yourself because those are 20, 30, 40 minutes where my coach can wait a little bit mm-hmm. or something can wait for 20 minutes. So. Yeah, and no, we'll, we'll have a little bit of discussion about this here, but I just have a few questions based off what you said. But you're on the road a lot. Uh, what's been your favorite place that you've ran so far? When I was at Tech, I got to go to track championships in Eugene, and that Ooh. was the coolest place. Yeah. I got to run on Priest Trail. The cross or the distance group took me with them to one of their training runs, and I, uh, they, obviously they were like way far ahead <laughs> doing something totally different. But that was awesome. That was yeah. probably that, and then. Airs like the southeast or the southwest Arizona, California, have been some yeah. really cool places. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, uh, elite groups train in that Flagstaff area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Northern Arizona is a really, uh, I wouldn't want to mess with the Northern Arizona in, in any way, but um, what was your running career like before you started the street? I ran in high school and I was that person that like dreaded every run and I. <laughs> I was like 12 minute miles, like last place, every, every race for the most part. And then in college I rode, I was on the crew team. So I used running as cross training. And then afterwards I was like, well, it's really hard to row in central Illinois and Virginia. Cause number one, I'm by myself. Number two, there's not a lot of water. Right. Um, so I picked up running a lot more and yeah, just kind of stuck with it. And now I'm like all about, you know, setting PRs, how fast I can get. And, mm. yeah. Okay. Um, well, you said that you've made it work for you. you you've tailor-made it to your schedule and everything. Uh, a lot of people, like I just had a lunch with a guy maybe a couple of days ago. I think it was Friday or Saturday. Um, and I said, uh, actually it was my girlfriend Morgan, she's like, you can train with David, which I, I hate it when I'm volunteered for stuff. But um, she said, you can train with David in, in the weight room and everything. And he goes, no, I just don't have time, which I think is the biggest load of BS that you could ever say to yourself. Because one, it's a lie. And two, I get up at 7 a.m. every morning. And then I get, I'm in the office by 9. I get up at 7 a.m., go work out, back home by 8.30, take a shower, go to the office. That's because I live like two miles away. But you've made it work for you. Um, what would you say to those people that have kind of made up it, uh, one of those cognitive conclusions in their head that maybe I don't really have the time for this? I think it's all about where your priorities lie. So running is a priority for me and staying active is a priority for me. So for me, that means I don't sleep eight hours. I sleep seven hours so that or six, whatever the yeah. thing is, so that I can wake up and get my runs in in the morning. Um, so I think if people say they don't have time, like figure out where they're putting their time to understand why they don't have the time. But if, and if they want to make time cut, where can I cut 10 minutes here or there to add up to a 20 minute run and 10 or 20 minutes to shower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just figure out where your priorities are. Yeah. So and- I, I don't watch a lot of TV because that's time where like maybe people watch the news in the morning, like I'll run and listen to the radio I'm running and then salt two birds with one stone there. Right. And it's, it's time management is what it boils down to, I think. Um, and again, like you said, you've got to find your why in a way, um, whether it be losing weight, uh, getting in shape, you want to get a PR, you want to run a marathon, you want to run 
what was it like a road race 5k do whatever um and be i'm gonna like just add a little tidbits in here or there but i like uh have goals but be reasonable about it i've done this before um back when i was 20 21 i was like i'm gonna run a marathon you know i get a month into the training and then i would quit because i wasn't about it And, and and either that or i got hurt i always get hurt that that should be something that everybody knows but um and again, finding your why, finding the reason why you do it, it is a huge part of staying active and having any goal in general. Yeah. Well, I think for me, because I travel with our team so much, like I see them working hard, like day in, day out, academically, athletically, with everything that it kind of motivates me. I'm like, well, I'm around these people doing these insanely amazing things. Like I should try to do a little bit of this, like go work out so that I understand what they're going through a little right. bit. I tell you, I had leg cramps, like severe cramp leg cramps during my marathon. And I will never complain again when somebody goes down on the field because their legs are cramping up. Cause I, I can feel that now. I know. <laughs> <they're pain. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. My, my tendonitis in my elbow, my mom always tells me how horrible it is. I'm like, it's just tendonitis, you know, how bad can it be? And then when I go to climb for a little, for like a couple hours and I'm like, I get through two climbs and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I will never complain to my mom about ton of ice again. But um, we just had this incredible discussion with uh, Blake Tim a couple of weeks ago. And he said that he makes himself visible to his student athletes. Because like you, you made the point, and that's what reminded me of this, is uh, your student athletes are putting in incredible amounts of work to be competitive and to be at that level. And, to, and what it says for them about you that you're putting in that work as well might also go the extra nine yards. Um, but yeah, it, it's just great. Can't ever get enough of talking about that. If, if, if you can't tell Mary Lee. Um, so, uh, let's talk a little bit. I like to change this part of the interview where I like to ask fun questions. I kind of gave you a heads up. Um, okay. the first question I have for you is a uh, favorite memory of your professional tenure. Um, probably the Eugene national championships. That was just incredible because you have so many national championships doing these insane things between track and field and steeplechase and all this stuff. So that was, that was cool to witness. Do you ever feel like, like when you watch that, you, you get kind of the itch to get out there and oh, run yeah, a little bit. Yeah. For sure. I, I think uh, after, yeah. so I can't remember who it was, but there was like a freshman or sophomore who ran, who set, the record the american record in the 800 and i was like oh the mississippi I'm... state guy yes donovan yeah. brazier is that his name i think so i think so um but i was like i'm gonna i know it's nighttime but like i need to go work out after this like <laughs> i'm like energized uh-huh. what so. about on the uh, other side of the coin what's your biggest horror story um i think that first day when i was learning volleyball stats i was so flustered that I just had no idea what was going on. And, like, again, I hadn't seen a lot of volleyball before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going to this profession? Volunteer for as much as you can, but at the same time, don't sacrifice your academics because of it. Like, still go to class, not, like you need to get a degree if you want to be in this profession. So like you don't need to have straight A's, but you have to go to class to get a degree. 
So as much as you can, volunteer, ask questions. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions because I, at least I am, I'm sure lots of people are willing to answer any question you have, no matter how silly you think it is. Right. Yeah. That's why we like this profession so much because everybody's here to help everybody, you know, um, What's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? I'm trying right now to get a little better at like video editing and shooting videos just because I travel so much with our teams that if I can provide that experience for somebody who's not there um, to see, you know, what we do for breakfast, lunch, dinner, how we get to the stadium. um, That's one thing I'm trying to work on slowly. (laughs) Slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's uh, in your mind, what makes a good SID? What are maybe some characteristics or things that they do? I think a good SID is always adapting um, to different ways, different trends of how things are going, but also they don't forget the roots of the job of how to stat and how to write a good press release. Um, So I think a good SID is adapting, but they also know how to listen and just have conversations. I think it's such a people business that if you can't work with people, you're going to struggle because you're working either with student athletes, coaches, media, fans, marketing departments, all these different people. So if you can't, if you struggle having those conversations, it's going to be a long road ahead of you. <laughs> uh, next time someone's in uh, Chapel Hill, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? So I had to look this up because I'm terrible at remembering places. <laughs> Um, I really like Nantucket Grill. They have the best cake. I'm a huge, like, sweets person. It's like, the cake's huge. There's so many different flavors. The um, strawberry shortcake is the best, but so good. Awesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would ask you about work-life balance, but um, other than running, what do you do to have fun? I run a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like to take time to, like, because I just moved here-ish, I find on my Google Maps, like, all these different little places to go. Mm. So I have saved pins. I try to try a new restaurant or um, trail or something every two to three weeks. Yeah. So, you know, try new places to do or things to see. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, what marathon are you training for now? I know you kind of mentioned it. The Richmond Marathon. So I'm, I think, seven weeks away right now. Okay, cool. That's so be, I if I always ran a marathon, it would definitely be in cooler weather. Are you are you more a hot weather runner or a cool weather runner? I would probably say cooler weather. Like I, if I could pick, it'd be like 55 degrees at the start, oh, yeah. and it went to 62, 63. That would be the perfect. Maybe even a little cooler, but yeah, I think. There's some scientific thing was like perfect temperature would be in the 40s. I don't know how much I believe that because I would not be a happy camper on the line, but uh, I guess that could be a thing. Well, Mary Lee, what's um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Maybe somebody had any questions for you, uh, follow up with you. What would be the best way to do it? Um, they can email me. I believe my email's on our staff directory, but it's mlgibson at unc.edu um, or Twitter too, I guess, um, which is just Mary Lee G1. All right. Sounds great. Well, Mary Lee, thank you very much. We are not related, just to make sure. I, I think oh. I have to clear that, <laughs> clarify that. We're not related at all. So uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Uh, good yeah. luck with running in the hurricane. Thank you. I enjoyed being here.
Well, guys, there you have it. I want to thank you all for coming out. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter, which will soon be the SIDcast credential. Uh, you can do that by going to sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. And it's just a simple Google form. Ask three questions. Bada bing, bada boom. You're good. Uh, you're signed up, and you'll be able to vote on Monday, starting on Monday. And we will have a special Hall of Fame episode on Thursday, introducing those, those people, talking about the uh, episodes in general, um, what I got from it, what I think everybody else should get from it. But that's the way it'll go. That's how we're doing these things. So um, anyway, guys, next week we will have... Me, myself, and I, because I just said we were having a SID Cast Hall of Fame episode. Um, that will be episode number 96. Uh, like I just mentioned, that's basically what it's going to be, and I might as well just tell you. Uh, and actually, October the 11th is our two-year anniversary, guys. Two years, that's a big two. That, that, where's the time gone? It's 21 when I started this, 23 now. I was a junior in college when I started it. Um, it's complicated now. Uh, looking very, very much forward to it. But Kirsten Carney um, from the Westminster College in Missouri will kick off your number two for episode number 97. And then we've got a, a, a one that I've been waiting on. I just talked to him today, guys, and it was fantastic. Kevin Young of the Sanford Bulldogs to round out October. Uh, that's the way it'll go. Rating reviewing, very important. Uh, be sure to do that uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SportsOverCast on Twitter and Facebook. And, guys, I want to thank you all for listening, and we will catch you all in the next episode.